Oh, friends, it's crazy to imagine, though I suspect, I suspect some of you can't wait, Uh, but here it is. Summer is right around the corner. I know, yes, like bring on the lake, bring on the pool, bring on the grill, bring on the fire pit, bring on the vacay, right? Like summer, summer is the season that, that for most people, it, it, has a, it has a different pace and tempo. And when it finally arrives, when we finally get there, it's like a breath of fresh air. It is a welcome visitor. It seems to me, it seems to me that that most people just breathe differently in the summer. And it's, it's not because that like in the winter when you breathe, you freeze your nose hairs off. It's not, it's not just that, but there is a different, again, pace or tempo. We just breathe differently because it's, you know, the summer. Uh, several years ago, <laughs> several years ago, I had the crazy idea to run the St. Louis Marathon. 26.2 miles of absolute agony. Uh, actually, no, for me, for me, it was like 20 miles that were enjoyable and 6.2 miles of agony. 6.2 miles that felt like 20 miles. 6.2 miles of running up the cobble street stones of the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, where on one side of the street was the smell of brewing beer, and the other side of the street was all the poop from the Clydesdales, and they were meeting in like a nasal vortex that nobody wants to breathe at mile 20 of a marathon. It's 6.2 miles of people not handing out water Water or Gatorade on the marathon route, but ice cold beer. It was 6.2 miles for me of absolute agony. It was me praying that Jesus would come and that he would come very, very quickly. Now, honestly, part of my problem in that last 6.2 miles was what I had done with the first 20 miles. You see, I, I trained with a, a partner from the seminary, and I was feeling good about my training. And in marathons, if you've never run one, they, they have people who lead what they call pace groups. In other words, these are people who will run consistently at a particular time over 26 point two miles. And because I was feeling good on the, day, on the race day, I thought to myself, like, Nine minute, 30 second mile, that sounds amazing. Like I, I, I feel like I could do that. I can run a mile in nine minutes and 30 seconds. But friends, that's the wrong question. The question should have been, can I run nine minutes and 30 seconds for 26.2 miles? And the answer is a stark no. Like it is, it is definitely not. Now I kept pace at nine minutes and 30 seconds for about 20 miles. And then at mile number 20, that pace took a steep, steep, very steep dive. Uh, There were points in that last 6.2 miles where I wasn't even running. I was literally like walking, again, praying that Jesus would come and end my agony. And finally, finally get through 6.2 miles, I remember crossing the finish line and just thinking to myself, like the only thing I wanna do, the only thing I want to do now is lie down, like, and have a donut, like that, that's it. Like, I, I don't want anything else, I just wanna lie down 
and have a donut. But my training partner, who, had, who by the way, had been done with the marathon for like an hour and 10 minutes, right? Uh, he's like, no, 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 you, 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 you can't lie down. Uh, you, you have to keep walking. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm literally going to, I'm going to pass out here, right? That's it. He's like, no, 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 no. If you stop, bad things will happen to you. You need to keep moving. <laughs> now, as we arrive, interestingly, at this story in the book of Exodus, which Craig read just minutes ago, the Israelites, the Israelites have been wandering through the wilderness. Uh, Moses had rescued them out of the oppressive hand of Egypt. He reminded them that they were God's people and God was their God. And they had been journeying through the wilderness, ultimately to what would be the promised land. And friends, that journey, if we were to read the book of Exodus, we'd find out very, very quickly that the journey is just not easy. Uh, it's incredibly tough terrain. Uh, not only that, the resources were quite scarce. Uh, the, the food was kind of flaky bread that showed up on the morning dew and some game bird that God brought in, and then water that came from a rock when Moses hit it with a stick. Like, that's it. It was a tough, tough journey. And what they had was not sort of the, the rich, lush, luxurious life that they had once had in Egypt. In many ways, Israel, as they're wandering through the desert, they're, they're wandering at a pace that was unsustainable. And God finally brings them really to the foot of Mount Sinai. And when they arrive at Mount Sinai, God calls Moses up the mountain where God is going to lay out for Moses and for the people of Israel what it looks like to live in the way of God. And so Israel, the people of Israel, they stand around at the bottom of the mountain while Moses has his conversation with the Lord. And it's, as you can imagine, if you read the book of Exodus, you would see that it takes God and Moses quite some time to get all of the pieces out. And so as Moses is up the mountain having a chit-chat with the Lord, the people of Israel are standing around. They've been moving. They've been on the go. And finally, they stop. But as a training partner said, if you stop moving, bad things will happen. But I, but I get it. Like they, They've been on the move. Like all, all they want to do is rest, right? They want to take a break. They want to lie down and have their proverbial donut. Like that's, that is what they want. Now, I imagine that for most of us, for lots of us, we, we have been moving at a pace that feels, more times than not, it feels overwhelming. Like as we've moved through the fall and the winter and the spring seasons, they are filled oftentimes to the very, very brim. There's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go to accomplish some tasks, some errand to run, some appointment to keep, some house project to finish. It's just going and going and going. And so finally, when we reach the summer, all we want to do is stop. We're ready to take a rest and a break. We're ready for vacation. In many ways, we're ready to disappear from the world and everything in it. Because we've been going at such a pace that we just need to stop. In many ways, it feels like if I think back through my year, it feels like we've been running a marathon. 
And at the end of a marathon, all you want to do is lie down and have your donuts. So Israel, they're here at the mountain. Their journey comes to an abrupt halt. They stop, they crash. Moses is up the mountain talking with the Lord. And Israel, tired as they were, fatigued as they were, worn out as they were, from the pace that they had been keeping, Israel stops. And they stop everything. Everything. And as we know, if you stop after a marathon, bad things happen. Now for Israel, this stopping, this lying around and waiting led to a serious act of rebellion. Uh, Here's what's captured in Exodus chapter 32. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't have any idea what happened to that fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. (laughs) So Israel gathers around Aaron and says, listen, make some gods for us because we have no idea when Moses is coming back. And what does Aaron do? Well, Aaron obliges. He says, all right, gather up your gold. And then he melts it down and he shapes it into a calf. And then in verse 3 of chapter 32, he declares, this is what he says. He says, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. Are you kidding, Aaron? Like, God has been present with Israel. He has literally rescued them out of Egypt. And Moses takes a little extra time on the mountain, and immediately we cast a calf of gold and be like, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt, and this is the God who's going to lead us out. Now, to, to say that God is mad with Israel's decision is to radically understate the reality. He basically says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to want you to go way over there so that you aren't a part of, nor will you see when I destroy my people. I want you to go way over there so that you can't see it when I annihilate my children. Now Moses, God bless him, Moses intercedes for the people of Israel. And while God relents of destroying them, he does promise that he will take his presence away from them, that he will no longer walk with them. Now again, I, I, I get it, right? Israel was tired. They'd been moving at an overwhelming pace. They were ready to be done. They were ready to stop and to crash, to disappear from the world and from everything in it. That's how we feel, certainly how I feel when we get through the busy fall and winter and spring. And so with summer, like Israel, we just want to stop. We just want to lie down. But friends, summer, summer is not about stopping. It's about changing pace. And pace, pace matters. I, I think most of you know this, but uh, there, was a, there was a time in a season where instead of pastoring a church, I was a worship leader. I was leading 
uh, God's church in songs. And as a musician, uh, you know that pace and tempo, they matter. And for the most part, uh, when we started songs and the band that was leading, like it was usually me or it was the drummer, right? We would set the tempo and the pace. But for whatever reason, I had this idea that our keyboardist by the name of Brian should start the song. And I don't know if he had had like five Cokes that morning or six, but the brother started a song at a breakneck pace. Like he, he took that song and you could see the eyes of God's people getting as large as their foreheads because they knew that if we were going to sing that song at the pace that Brian started, they would never be able to spit out all the words. And so as a responsible worship leader then, I gave him kind of the side eye, right? Like the silent communication that he's going too fast. I'm doing this kind of like, And he and I, now Brian and I make contact, and you can kind of see in him that he knows that he's walking at like this breakneck speed, so he slows down, for which I'm super thankful. But he slowed down through the normal tempo and went right on past it. And then, then we're going so slow that you could see in the eyes of God's people sitting in the pews, their eyes just as big as their foreheads because now they knew that if we sang it at this pace, we wouldn't get done with church until three in the afternoon. Like pace, 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 pace matters. And friends, it's striking actually in Matthew's gospel That when Jesus utters what I think is one of his most famous invitations, an invitation to find rest, he doesn't say, have a nap. He doesn't say, here's a pillow. He doesn't say, I think you should stop everything. He doesn't say, take a vacation. What does he say? So Matthew chapter 11, we heard it read early in our worship service this morning. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus says, I I will give you rest if you're weary and worn out. I will give you rest if you're weary and worn out. Not by giving you a nice pillow, but giving you a yoke. Now, a yoke, a yoke is a tool that's laid on the shoulder of what would have been typically probably oxen to connect those oxen to the plow and to the farmer so they could plow a field. So at first glance, first glance, the yoke that Jesus is talking about, it feels like a a tool of burden, right? Jesus is saying, hey, hey, if you're tired, let me lay something on your shoulders that's gonna make you work. Like that that is possible to read it that way, but, but a deeper dive will actually show us that Jesus is actually teaching you and me about pace. You see, more often than not, uh, two oxen were put together, a young ox and an old ox. This young ox, full of energy, like rearing to go, can't wait to plow the field. And if, if the farmer would just 
let him, then that young ox would take off with all the energy possible. Like he'd be trying to run a nine minute, 30 second mile. Like he would just do it. But the problem is for that young ox, if he takes off with all of that energy, at about mile 20, He's going to take a steep dive in terms of his pace. In fact, if that young ox is allowed to do what he naturally wants to do, he won't plow the entirety of the fields. And so the wisdom of the farmer is to to yoke together a young ox and an old, experienced ox so that the older ox can teach the young one something about pace. And how it is, this pace, if we walk together and use energy correctly, then we'll plow the whole of the fields. The old ox teaching the young ox that pace matters. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if, if, you're, if you're tired and you're weary, if you need rest, what you need is a different pace and a pace that he sets. We are yoked in this invitation of Jesus. We are yoked together to him. So he sets the pace, and his pace, his pace leads to our flourishing. In the message, Eugene Peterson, when he translates this text, here's how he translates Jesus' words in Matthew 11. He says, I'll show, you, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Learn, as you walk with me and you work with me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, I think he's saying, listen, I want you to learn the pace of grace. And so keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying pace matters. Not too fast, not too slow, but just right. It is interesting, this is essentially what Moses is told when he laments to God about leading the people of Israel. You see, Moses, Moses is, quite frankly, Moses also is tired. Israel, the people of Israel have basically been complaining since they left Egypt, right? They're like children in the back seat of the car, like, you didn't touch me, you're touching me, you're in my space, you're not in my space, get out of me, touch me. Like, it's all that for the whole journey. Leading God's people is exhausting. Not that I know from experience, but if I did, leading God's people is really tough. And so Moses, Moses, frankly, is just tired, and he just wants to stop. He just wants to lie down, have his proverbial donut. But yet Moses, interestingly, Moses, in his fatigue, prays to the Lord. He says, let me know your ways. Let me know your ways so that I can know you more fully. In other words, Moses is praying to God, listen, Teach me about your pace. Teach me about your pace. Tell me your ways so I can know you more fully. And God's response to Moses is this. God says, 
I will personally go with you. I will personally go with you. We can hear in God's words, I will yoke myself to you. And then he goes on, he says, listen, Moses, I'll personally go with you and I will give you rest. And everything, everything will be fine for you. What is God saying to Moses? God's saying, you want rest, Moses? Then let me walk with you and you'll find rest. See, rest is found in my presence. He's saying, my presence, Moses, my presence will set the pace. Pace and presence matter. In fact, that is what this preaching series over the next couple of weeks is about. It's about leveraging the pace of the summer in order to be present in relationships. Leveraging the pace of the summer in order to be present in relationships. Present in a relationship with the Father, present in relationship with those who we call brothers and sisters, and present in relationship with those who are outside of the faith. I get that for most of us, when we arrive at summer, we just want to be done, but, but summer is not a vacation from relationships. The pace of summer is an opportunity for relationships. I know that as I think backwards into my own history, the times of summer in the family that I grew up in, they were filled with vacation and rest and summer baseball. And we found ourselves as a family less frequent in worship. We found ourselves as a family not engaging in the Scriptures. We found ourselves a little bit like Israel, taking a break from everything, trying to escape the world and all that's in it. But what God is telling Moses, and what Jesus is inviting the disciples into, and what both of them are saying to you and me is that the pace, the pace of the summer could be leveraged actually to press into the relationship that we have with the Father. Because our life is slowing down in some different ways. Because there aren't as many things to do or as many appointments to keep. Because there aren't school activities. For those of you who have kids in school, like because that's true, we have more opportunity to press into the Scriptures, more opportunity to walk with Jesus. We have more opportunity to worship with Him. It's an invitation, actually, to you and me to not see the summer as a vacation from the Lord, but an invitation to walk His pace. And when walking His pace, experience his presence. And when experiencing his presence, having a flourishing that can only come, that can only come when we walk in his pace and in his presence. Now, I, I suspect that some of you are saying, like, Pastor, but we're still going to take a vacation. 
We're still going to get in our camper. We're going to go north. We're going to stay in the state park for four weeks. This is going to be amazing. And you should. You should. This is the beauty and the gift that the summer provides. But as you do, as you do, we need to be cognizant of what God is doing in those moments to see those as opportunities to press more deeply into Him, to see the gift of the pace of summer and His presence through it as a way that He delivers to you and me real rest. So as we walk through this series over the next couple of weeks, we want to be asking the question, how is God using the pace of our summers for the sake of relationships? Our relationship with Him, our relationship with the church, and our relationship with those who don't need Jesus. So to that end, may God strengthen us by His Spirit to be in His pace and His presence now and always. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, may guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus today and always. Amen.